0: Welcome to the MOD Report. Hey, hey, welcome to the MOD Report. This is the show where we talk all things HR and the crazy things we go through in the hospitality industry. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Giffen, and today I discuss organizational culture in hospitality. Your culture stinks, let's fix that. What is it exactly, and what can you do today to make your workplace thrive? Then we'll dive into the final segment of the MOD Report. I don't want to give too much away, but it involves a housekeeper stealing toilet paper. On the last podcast, the rant I presented was on abusive supervisors. Today, I want to elaborate a bit more and demonstrate how abusive supervision negatively impacts organizational culture. If you listened in, I mentioned that abusive supervisors don't necessarily show itself as mean or angry people. In fact, it can simply come in other forms such as disrespect, gossip in the workplace, and micromanaging, just to name a few. However, abuse in the workplace can obviously come in the form of bullying and harassment, which, as you may know, is illegal under federal law and even more strict under some state laws. Whether it's through verbal harassment, nonverbal and physical harassment, as well as inattentiveness, disorganization, and thoughtlessness, these are all areas in which abuse is seen throughout organizations. Poor managers aren't just hostile. In fact, poor managers don't care about developing their employees into the incredible assets they could be. What has remained wholly true from this definition is that employees notice, and wow, do they ever... And therein, folks, lies the problem. From poor organizational culture, festers disengagement, low productivity, and even lower profits. If you are a business owner, or you report to an ownership group directly, or you report to a supervisor, such as a general manager of a hotel or restaurant, Are you okay with those results? Are you okay to say that, yeah, there's disengagement and we have low productivity and as a result, we are producing lower profits? Because if so, then that's not okay. You are clearly in the wrong position. This is a particular problem in hospitality where any misstep can negatively affect the countless number of guests who walk through our establishment's doors And therefore, our bottom line and ability to keep said doors open are impacted. And while we can cast some light on employees' shortcomings, and believe me, countless hospitality researchers, academics, and leaders have done so, I argue that it is abusive supervision that should bear the weight of the blame. From hiring employees, to setting an organization's culture, to keeping and developing employees, the power lies with those people who supervise other people. And if we are keeping said supervisors in a position that continue to fester such disengagement, then that's the problem. That's the problem. In fact, you're the problem if you're allowing this to happen. There is clear data to support this common sense. For example, 88% of employees have reported in a Gallup survey that workplace culture is important, and they mean it. They mean it in the sense that more than one-third of these workers said that they would not accept a job that was a perfect match for them if corporate culture clashed with their own personal value set and i know those of us in leadership agree because again the data supports this an incredible 91 percent of managers said that when considering a pool of new hires they believe that a candidate's fit with the organizational culture is equal to or more important than their skills and experience 91% 91% of managers said this, that they believe that a candidate's fit with the organizational culture is more important than their experience or their skill set, because they know that they can train how they want to have their employees trained. So what is the ideal culture? I mean, according to those workers surveyed, They said the ideal culture is one that is considered supportive and team oriented. It is not a competitive culture that employees want. Employees want a culture where they feel holistically supported by their leadership, by the corporation, that they will be backed up based off of the decisions that they have executed and that they will be mentored to try and do better. That's what they want, a supportive environment. They also want a team-oriented environment, not one that is competitive where you have employees fighting and battling with one another and being so competitive that it's impacting the bottom line. Workplace culture is crucial, folks. And, and we know this from workers and managers alike. And the type of culture truly does matter. Gallup's research shows employees' buy-in of their organization's culture is directly linked to organizational health, directly linked. Your organization's culture is directly linked to the health of the organization. So if you have a poor organizational culture that is competitive and negative and belittling and micromanaging, then guess what the health of your company is going to be? It's going to be pretty darn pathetic. That is because, as simply but brilliantly summed up by one of my heroes in the study of organizational culture, all-time MIT professor Edgar Schein, who was my aspiration to my research in this area of organizational culture, he says, quote, culture is to a group what personality or character is to an individual. Again, I'll say it again. Edgar Schein says, quote, culture is to a group. What personality or character is to an individual as humor, intelligence, ethics, and powers of observation are concepts related to personality and character there are observable concepts that form culture as well. There are several of them. There are several. So I'm just going to name a few. Number one, publicly stated values. Do your internal and external customers know what the core values of your organization are? I mean, heck, do you even have core values? Do you even know what I'm saying when I say the words core values? Because if not, you need to check out my latest article on my website regarding core values. Those core values are the pinnacle foundation to a successful organization and to your bottom line and building a strong culture. Those values are what drive your decisions day in and day out. So that's the first one, publicly stated values. Number two, climate. Climate. When you walk in... To a hotel lobby or to a restaurant? What's the feeling you get? What's the feeling you get based on the atmosphere of the three S's that I teach in my marketing class? The three S's the sight, the smell, the sounds. What do you see? What do you observe? What do you feel? That's the climate. That is part of the culture. Are the lights in the lobby so bright? that you need to put on sunglasses? Is that the, is that the environment you're trying to create with your culture? Perhaps. I mean, I guess it kind of depends what you're looking for. So climate, check out the climate, you know, and that uh, sites also include employee uniforms. How do they dress? What's the perception you want those employees to have with the guest? All right. Let me give you the third one celebrations, how are employees valued through celebrating milestones when they met their quarterly goals or when they met their weekly goals, when they met their own personal professional development goals, maybe they acquired a certificate, a certificate from a university. Do you celebrate that? Do you celebrate birthdays and anniversaries and weddings and babies? Do you do those things? That is part of building a strong, inclusive, non-competitive, but yet supportive and team-oriented culture. That's what employees want. Supportive and team-oriented, not competitive. So there are many, many visible constructs of what culture can look like. I just gave you three, and those should be visible to your guests or your customer. Even those unfamiliar with the inner workings of the organization should be able to see these things. You know, some are considered artifacts, which include everything from an organization's physical environment, the language and terminology, and the tone that employees use, or the organization's technology, particularly its customer-facing technology. What's the perception you're putting out there is in terms of who you're trying to be with the technology? of which there is much in the hospitality industry to the the organization style as demonstrated, as I mentioned earlier, with uniforms, marketing, and myths and stories about the organization in itself and your vision statements, and observable rituals and ceremonies. You see, there are several here. Others categorized as espoused beliefs and values provide meaning and comfort to staff and guests alike. For example, my alma mater, where I used to work uh, in human resources, Kempton Hotels and Restaurants. You see, Kempton Hotels and Restaurants publicly makes their espoused beliefs and value system public to all people. You can go to their website and download this. It's not a secret. And they also have this, obviously, shared at orientation with their employees. So, Kempton Hotels and Restaurants maintains a culture that's based on the word care. That's it. One word care. They maintain a culture based on care, caring for co workers, caring for guests, and caring. For the environment community and investors that's their core value statement that's their mission statement that's the purpose of their existence caring for co-workers caring for guests and caring for the environment community and investors just hearing that just hearing those words gives you a strong sense of what that organization's culture is striving towards. Under the umbrella of culture, all of these concepts create depth, structural stability, breadth, and patterning or integration. You know, depth is a good place to start because it helps explain how culture both is, like in the previously mentioned concepts, from shared customs to shared understandings is not those things alone culture is what Edgar Schein states as the deepest, often unconscious part of a group. It's less tangible. It's less visible than any newcomer ropes or or even cognitive habits can even maintain. So the previous concepts that we mentioned are considered manifestations of culture but they're not the essence of what we mean by culture okay when when these manifestations tie together in a in a coherent whole that's when they become culture you see you need all of them and and these things will embed and interweave regardless of what a manager does or does not consciously do it is human nature to codify things right? we, we, we like to, That's what our brains are designed to do. We like to code everything. Disorder or senselessness makes us anxious, according to Edgar Schein. So while you may not know it, by, by looking at my desk, say, believe that all of us, even your friendly human resources university instructor, yes, I'm referring to myself, will seek patterning In our homes and communities, our friendships and romantic relationships, our hobbies and our commuting and our workplaces, we're all trying to make sense of what is around us. Organizational culture is no different than any other culture. And so in this example of walking into my office, you will look at my office and you will try to make sense of the surroundings based off of what you're making up the, the physical, the physicality of things around, right? So that's what we're looking for. Organizational culture is no different than any other culture, right? Just mentioned that. So culture as a set of basic assumptions requires members to pay attention, decipher, translate and react emotionally to what is going on within the environment. As something deeply embedded in organizations' culture also provides structural stability. Employees are both bound together by common celebrations, uh, ideology, and norms, just to name a few. And also, those hallmarks of culture operate outside those employees so that culture survives even when there is staff turnover. As managers, And as HR managers overseeing other department heads, we strive for the stability that culture provides. It is long lasting, it's real, and it's meaningful. It is the super glue that binds our organizations. Of course, that also means it is hard, but it's not impossible. And we'll get into that here shortly to change culture for better and for worse. Indeed, culture has great breadth affecting everything about within and from an organization to refer to a group's culture edgar Schein has explained is to refer to quote all of its operations end quote so with this background we're ready for what um i, I guess edgar Schein's official definition of what culture is okay so edgar Schein's formal definition of culture is, quote, a pattern of shared basic assumptions learned by a group as it solves its problems of external adaptation and internal integration, which has worked well enough to be considered valid and therefore to be taught to new members as the correct way to perceive, think, and feel in relation to those problems, end quote. Okay. So here's the problem with podcasts is you, you you're, you're not going to remember that. I mean, I would be highly impressed if you did, and I don't want you to stop, rewind, replay, write it down and all of that. So please, if you want a, a, a transcription of this entire podcast that is available on my website, just go to inospire.com and click on podcasts on this episode. And there's a PDF of a word for word transcript Available to you and then it is there in writing if that's easier for you So it is important to understand the learning process within an organization by which basic underlying assumptions evolve in other words knowing how a culture spreads Tells us something about that culture Let me give you an example new employees or leaders naturally bring with them their own set of cultural values from prior organizations, right? So these may modify their new workplaces, original set of assumptions. Consider the person who worked at Kempton hotels and restaurants, they bring to their next job, the cultural value of care, perhaps to an even stronger degree that the workplace currently has. Over time, everyone may adopt this basic assumption, the basic cultural value assumption of care. It is also not uncommon for subcultures to develop within an organization. I I call subcultures, uh, the analogy I would use here is silos. They're like silos, right? So it's not uncommon for silos or subcultures to exist. In fact, it's very common. Consider the both distinct and symbiotic cultures of of housekeepers and bellhops, front desk staff, chefs, right? Activity planners on cruise lines and among others at at a bustling resort, there's many. These may develop different views from that of the organizational culture. Though many researchers believe culture has the same content and meaning at the subculture and the organizational levels. After all, both cultures are similar to one another because each of these influence behavior through a shared belief and value system. So, to wrap up, if you want to build and enhance your organizational culture... Where do you start? Start with your people. That's where you start. Start with your people. Start by engaging with your people. By creating a culture that they want. Which is, again, according to the data, tells us that employees, new employees, want a culture that is supportive and is team-oriented. So start by engaging your people. How do you do this? How do you create a culture of supportiveness and team oriented? Let's start with immediate engagement. When you hire a new employee, put them out onto the floor immediately with a mentor to shadow them. Having the employee shadow a mentor will help them through their first few days. By placing an employee out in the thick of things, they will feel a stronger connection to what they're doing. It's, it's hard for new hires to feel that they are part of the team when they're stuck on the bench, you know, behind the scenes, not knowing what the heck is going on, forcing them to look through a handbook with their nose down to the desk, watching boring videos, probably from 1985 that are completely outdated and don't even work anymore get them out there with a mentor. So that's the first one. Immediate engagement. Second, I would encourage you to provide additional training. Forget what Professor Dr. Ryan has to say. Let's listen to what uh, Assistant Professor Brad Shuck from the University of Louisville has to say. He says, quote, the more an employee feels the company is investing in their future, the higher the level of engagement end quote, you see your employees are looking for constant growth and they want to see themselves rising throughout their careers by providing such regular training. You're giving them that continuous chance to learn more that can then be applied in the workplace. This will not only provide them with more skills to use at work, but it's also going to give them the sense that they belong with your business and it will motivate them. Oh, well, Ryan, I don't have time to train my people. I'm, I'm too busy. I don't have the resources. It's too expensive. I don't want to hire a training and development officer. Okay, fine. One place to start is you can go to my website inospire.com. and under services, there is a course pull down menu. InnoSpire is now providing an opportunity for your people to get additional training. And there's a free course up there right now on performance management and goal setting. So start there, right? As, as InnoSpire continues to build a platform um, and building InnoSpire you, you will have no excuse to not have time by delivering online training in these important topics of supervisory skills thirdly employee recognition recognize that an employee is doing a good job this is one of the most effective ways to engage employees provide regular positive feedback and rewards these are great ways of reminding employees that they're valued hold meetings each month that include a moment of appreciation towards your employees um, you don't have to do this publicly you can do this privately during your one-on-ones appreciate their efforts tell them tell them how much you appreciate them recognizing your employees can be even more personal in the sense that um, you know birthdays very common have your employees mark their birthdays down on the office calendar and wish them a happy birthday. Going out of your way to have a small celebration with cupcakes or cake or whatnot can actually go a long way for that person. Writing a small message in a holiday card and giving them to each employee with a handwritten note from their leader is a great way to recognize their efforts. Does it take work? Uh, yeah, absolutely. but that's what you get paid for as a leader recognizing their contributions recognizing them as an individual and lastly social engagement how are new employees and ongoing employees how are they assimilated into your culture how are they assimilated how do you how do you bring one department with another department to mesh well with one another You know, we could celebrate the holidays with an office theme party, a Halloween costume contest, a pumpkin carving contest, you know, pin the tail on the donkey, whatever, right? Sacred Santas or white elephants, all those traditional things actually do have a positive influence, but you cannot rely solely on those things. Social engagement means getting outside of traditional office, uh, office experiences and celebrations. Maybe calling the in and out truck is a good example, going out, bowling, going into a flight simulator, taking your team to a baseball game. These are situations that give you time to get to know your people and to help them feel valued. Your employees are a part of a team folks. And by holding social outings, you're strengthening the sense of teamwork between them. Now take it from me. I, along with many others sometimes hate social gatherings. We hate that we're forced to go to a company picnic. We hate that we're forced to go bowling. It's kind of one of those things where if you don't go, then you're then you're judged. Well, that right there is an indication of a poor culture. And that's what you need to fix, first and foremost. And you're going to hate me for saying this, but one way that you can entice employees to go is you pay them their wages for attending such events. Now, I know that might sound ludicrous, but trust me, if you were to say, hey, everyone, we're closing the office down at 2 p.m. today because we're all going to go catch a 4 o'clock p.m. baseball game and we're going to continue your hourly wage in doing so, that, my friends, will have a lot more engagement and your employees will respect you because of it. So, how to build a strong culture that is supportive and team-oriented you get your employees to engage immediately on the first day you provide additional ongoing training you have regular employee recognition and you have regular social engagement activities It's time for the MOD Report, the segment where we tell you about a crazy experience you've been through at your work location. All right, so this is one of those stories that I have personally observed in my own experience. And although it doesn't actually relate to me being a manager on duty while at a hotel, it has everything to do with hospitality, particularly a hotel Located in Long Beach, California, which I won't give the name away, of course. But um, this was several years ago. I was driving home after uh, working at my property at Kimpton in human resources. And I'm driving home and crossing the street, which is it's a main thoroughfare in Long Beach, California. When you're just exiting the freeway, I'm driving and I see a housekeeper crossing the street with a huge bag full of toilet paper rolls. These toilet paper rolls had to oh my god, there had to be at least 50. Uh, probably more than that, but I'm guessing 50 toilet paper rolls. And I knew what hotel she came from because I recognized the uniform that this housekeeper was wearing. And so I th- I thought well that's that's interesting. Like that's not normal. So I decided to call the hotel, being the human resource guy that I am, and ask for the housekeeping uh, or the director of housekeeping. And the gentleman calls me back the next day and I explained the situation to him and he said, oh my goodness, I am so glad you called. We have had theft issues in our department. We had shrinkage of guest supplies being taken from housekeeping and I was able to review the security footage and I know exactly who you're talking about and so I don't know what the outcome of her employment was um, but the I assume executive housekeeper or the housekeeping director took care of it at that property. and went from there. So, here here's the moral of the story. You know, this ended up on the MOD report because we likely have an employee who is committing internal theft, stealing guest supplies that she believes are probably not that expensive. However, if she was doing this quite often, uh I mean, heck, even if not, it's it's still not her property. So, Uh, if you find that your cost your guest supply cost your food cost your beverage cost any expensable items start to increase and your p l starts to look a little funky chances are you might have an internal theft problem and you may need to investigate it further in order to uh, find a resolution so that my friends that's my mod report of course if you have a story we want to hear from you So please go to InnoSpire.com and click on podcast. And there's a button there where you can submit a story. Or if you want to submit a soundbite, we would accept that as well. Or I can personally interview you and you can be featured with your voice telling this MOD report. We don't mention company names. We don't even have to mention your name. So with that, please go to InnoSpire.com, click on podcast, and then click on the button and submit your story. That's it for today. I want to thank you for listening. Please tell your friends, your frenemies, and your coworkers about us. Subscribe and leave a review. It really does help the MOD Report get out to those who need to hear it. I'm Dr. Giffen, and this has been the MOD Report. See you next time.